All right, welcome again to The Kicker, uh, Columbus Business First weekly podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some housing initiatives today and some uh, several things going on downtown. Uh, joined by uh, editor Dominic Kappa and reporters Evan Weiss, Tom Knox, and Carrie Ghosh. Uh, so starting off with the housing, uh, the Columbus Realtors said this month, uh, that or last month, that uh, the housing market was, was continuing to stay hot. It was uh, home sales were up 9%. And again, they're complaining about uh, low inventory. Uh, so if you have a house to sell, they really want you to put that thing on the market. Looking longer term, however, Evan Weiss uh, was at uh, the Columbus Metropolitan Club on Wednesday and uh, had some thoughts about uh, the changing landscape for housing. Why don't you tell us what that was, Evan? What made Wednesday's forum interesting was that you had Mark Wagenbrenner of Wagenbrenner Development doing a lot of urban infill in Italian Village with their Jeffrey Park project. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had Tim Hall from MI Homes, which is a traditional suburban builder. So they had each end of the spectrum covered, but a lot there was a lot of overlap in what they're seeing in the market and how they're both approaching that. Yeah, and that was primarily kind of looking at the demographic trends uh, that uh, we're getting a lot of millennials coming into the housing market, and they are different. They think differently, and they want to buy differently. Is that right? We've been hearing that for a while. That's why Dublin's doing their big Bridge Street development to try to have a walkable urban style neighborhood there. So that's nothing new. I I think most people have known that. But to hear an MI executive say that we're really watching millennials closely was something to take away. Uh, They didn't he didn't announce some big shift in strategy to say we're going to start building in in downtown Columbus or we're going to start building more densely. But he he made it sound like that's something that they're going to be taking a look at is this maybe the size of lots in a in a suburb that they're building on. Wagenbrenner made the comment that these 200 foot deep lots are just a waste of space. And even in the um, suburbs, people want to have metro parks. And that's your your walkability in the suburbs, right? Sure, sure, yeah. And, and millennials are 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 so interesting because they're the largest uh, group of buyers on the on the horizon. You know, they've been late to the game in terms of buying. They've been late for, on a lot of social and economic fronts, whether it's raising families or or getting married. And so I think they're um, they're sort of coming to that spot where MI recognizes that uh, it needs to be in tune with them. Uh, if it hopes to sell them houses, I don't think that necessarily means that we didn't. It didn't sound like you heard um, from the executives at MI that they have plans for downtown housing or things like that, but rather sort of just a a, a different look at what millennials might want, particularly those millennials that are coming out of downtowns where they're renting and then deciding to go out to the suburbs. And, and I think that uh, you know, in a city here where um, it really is sort of a more a more suburban feel, the suburbs here are far more established than downtown is, um, that is that it's going to be interesting to see how MI and the other builders react to that. And the point of millennials starting in the urban core and, and sort of moving out as they have kids, Wagenbrenner and Tim Hall made the point that suburbs or, or sort of inner, inner communities like Arlington, Up Arlington, and Bexley are really well positioned for that. But then that comes back to what Doug's saying, where there's no availability. There's just no, nowhere to build in Up Arlington, right? So you've got mm. that challenge. But at the same time, those communities with really good school districts that have the walkability are well positioned. And, and like you said, Bridge Street, uh, there, there are, you know, Gahanna has been doing that. 
um, Upper Arlington is sort of building these little urban cores where they sort of are, are, are small versions of downtown. And it gives people that opportunity to walk, gets them to, uh, to restaurants, gets them to shopping a little bit easier. Because when you talk about uh, building houses, particularly when you're talking about infill, it's very expensive. I think that is the issue with uh, we've seen in terms of rental rates uh, for projects downtown is that they're so expensive because the economics demand that they, they be at those levels. And so the land is going to be in the burbs, without a doubt. And, and uh, you know, we have, we saw from the January housing report, this was sales of existing single family houses and condos, um, that while, while sales were up about 9%, uh, we took a look at a, a continuing rise in prices. The, the, both the average and the median sale prices were, were rising uh, per, as a percentage, you know, anywhere between six and nine percent, but still, in as in Central Ohio, when you compare it with a lot of other cities, this is very, very reasonable housing, um, and that's reasonable housing in 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 the suburbs. So I got to believe that the burbs will always be, uh, particularly here, always be attractive. Um, it is just going to see how MI sort of adjusts to these millennials and what they want in 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 housing when it comes to uh, to the new stuff. Okay, so then uh, there are some other neighborhoods around Columbus that have a little bit more work to do uh, to make themselves attractive. And uh, Columbus's new mayor, Andrew Ginther, uh, gave his first State of the City address on Wednesday night, and he outlined uh, some plans and, and several million dollars uh, to help two in particular, the Hilltop and Linden. Tom, why don't you tell us about that? Yes, the mayor outlined $61 million between the two neighborhoods, $34 million for Hilltop and $27 million for Linden. Um, they're sort of first steps, I guess you could say, as far as improvements. Uh, right. The mayor himself said this isn't going to totally fix these uh, economically depressed neighborhoods, but things like streetscapes, sidewalks, um, especially along the main roads in those two neighborhoods, yeah, um, will be coming and... For the hilltop, it's just sort of a natural extension of everything they're doing on the west side, uh, Franklinton, which is closest to the city's downtown. Um, the hilltop is right west of that, so they're kind of spreading further down um, the west side there. And then Linden is in the northeast side of town, and um, that's long been an area that the mayor, even when he was on city council, talked about uh, helping. Sure. Yeah, we've reported recently that in the, uh, the uh, in the Franklinton area, the city's putting a lot of money uh, into uh, with the old the old the site of the old uh, Vets uh, Memorial and uh, putting a big park right uh, by Cosi. And I think they're going to debut some traffic calming features, try to slow traffic down as it goes shooting out uh, Broad Street out of town. Uh, so that's kind of what you're saying, part and parcel. That now you look a little bit beyond that, and then you get into the hilltop. Right. They've already talked about these sort of large projects in Franklinton, but for Hilltop and Linden, I think they're really just starting to say, we want to make this good for the residents who are there. I mean, mm -hmm. no one, it's not going to be gentrified either of these neighborhoods anytime soon. Yeah. Like Franklinton is in the early stages of, but, um, you know, these are, are, are very poor areas that, that, that they want to at least put some investment in and then kind of spread the wealth around. Sure. I mean, and again, if we're talking about walkability, sidewalks, making, putting them in in the first place and uh, having them be actual walkable uh, sidewalks, um, you know, it's a good first step. Right. And you're talking about areas where a lot of people use transportation and some people don't have cars. So it makes sense to have sidewalks uh, even more so probably than in, in the suburbs where they're the norm. Sure, sure. What's good about it, too, is $64 million is not going to solve the problems of Linden, not going to solve the problems of the hilltop. But it allows the city 
to concentrate on those when it sees that private investment now starts to move into Franklinton. Um, you know, there's been talk about redeveloping the Scioto Peninsula for many years. Now we're starting to see it gain traction. Um, there's also those steps that Doug talked about in trying to sort of build the foundation for a neighborhood that would accept uh, more housing and accept more more uh, small business or the arts business that they want, you know, slimming down uh, West Broad Street. And so, you know, city walks in, uh, does those kinds of foundational work and then lets private enterprise go on. But, you know, it, they have a long way to go on, on Hilltop. But yeah. still, I, I would think that when you take a look at where the possibilities are in Franklinton, particularly around Mount Carmel West, which is moving more westward in that neighborhood when they move the uh, most of the hospital down to Grove City and they leave um, some small operations there, but a lot of that space there will be redeveloped in some form. It's always good to sort of see, I think developers would think that it'd be good to see that those neighboring or those abutting areas are areas that are being uh, addressed in terms of making them better for the residents and, and, and improving the quality of life. I think that that, um, you know, we sort of saw that come down with Ohio State's push around Wineland Park. Right. So these are these are areas that used to be sort of gems of Columbus a long time ago, and, and now I think they're just starting to say, hey, we should put more resources back into that. And regular listeners of our podcast will remember that uh, City Council President Zach Klein also is recommending uh, spending more to uh, tear down vacant houses and abandoned properties to, again, help these neighborhoods, um, you know, kind of get back on their feet. And there were some more that, that Ginther talked about in terms of um, city proposals that uh, that might benefit business. The Kiva loans, yes, microloans. Um, it's a, a system that is a nonprofit website that really doesn't lend money, but it's a peer-to-peer -peer mm. platform, a digital platform. It's popular in underdeveloped areas, uh, countries mostly, but now they're also expanding to cities. I think there's 12, um, 13 if Columbus meets the uh, funding threshold. But um, they have a goal in three years of having 200 microloans, um, averaging $6,000 per entrepreneur. The goal is to lend money to people, 0% loans, who wouldn't get lend, uh, funding for a variety of reasons from banks or other traditional lenders. So that was another um, sort of small business aspect to the mayor's uh, uh, whetstone speech. Yeah, I would think that those high-risk loans are pretty important to building small businesses within neighborhoods that, you know, the change simply just won't come around. Right. So they need to develop somewhere within there. I think also the mayor, if, if I recall, talked about um, minority uh, participation in city work. Right. Um, they have a new chief diversity officer, which is a totally different position that the city hadn't had before. Uh, somebody from Honda came over for that job. And the mayor uh, talked to us this week just about plans to really hold the city's departments accountable for making staff um, represent what the city looks like. Didn't go into detail on how to measure that, but he did say this is something we have to measure. We have to make the city look more like the city, basically. Right, right. All right, pivoting from housing, uh, but uh, still staying downtown. Uh, more good news as far as investment. Uh, Ohio Health uh, looking to uh, recommit or you know commit further to uh, their downtown plans uh, by expanding Grant Medical Center. Carrie, why don't you tell us about that? It's a total of $33.5 million in construction and renovation, all told. 
the COO of the hospital pointed out this is a downtown hospital that's growing. It's not the you know distressed urban core. Um, right. So the um, and and right across the street, I asked him, "Are you guys just jealous that right across the street, the Columbus Library is building thirty million dollars expansions? <laughs> you got to beat them. They didn't gotta keep up. They didn't laugh. Um, so the the projects are uh, the big one is uh, nineteen point eight million total uh, joint uh, project with Daimler to uh, expand their six year old bone and joint center. Um, Ohio Health has uh, ten hospitals, and the two flagships are Riverside and Grant. And in their model of what they call systemness, the made-up word by Dave Blom, um, they try to concentrate a specialty at one of their flagships for most of the uh, most of that specialty. So you have McConnell at Riverside, you've got the Neuroscience Tower at Riverside. Grant is where the the orthopedics hub, where the most uh, complex cases go, and that's complementary to the fact that it's a level one trauma center. You got a lot of uh, you know, badly injured people who then can transition over to the orthopedic specialist. Yeah. So they, they, they put part of their hospital across the street in this bone and joint center, um, and now they're moving the physician offices across Town Street, and the architecture then creates a nice little gateway because they'll have, if you have driven down Town Street, you see the curved facade of the surgery addition to Grant from a couple of years ago, it will now have a twin on the other side. So they're just making a statement. You're here at Grant. Uh, the other two projects are $8 million in um, scattered projects for cardiology. So again, mentioned Riverside is their, their heart hub. But he, uh, the hospital president said, you know, we, we have downtown patients and they need heart care too. We're, we're a big specialty referral hospital. Um, and they're, so they're, they're upping their, their cardiology game there and in coordination with Riverside. And $5.7 million to expand that level one trauma center. There's only 11 of those in the state uh, called level one, which is the, the, you know, handling the worst of the worst patients. And you say Grant's the busiest, right? It's by far the, the busiest of all, all those 11. It's the busiest ER period in central Ohio. Um, I have fiscal 2014 numbers, 88,700. That's 2,000 more uh, annual annual ER visits than the next closest, which would be Mount Carmel East. But interestingly, because of this, probably because of the trauma, not every ER visit is trauma there, but 27% of Grant's patients get admitted to the hospital from the ER. Um, contrast to East, only 2,000 fewer visits, 13% of those get admitted. And there's one other level one trauma center in town that's uh, Wexner Medical Center, a lot smaller um, visit-wise as of 2014, um, but they also had that 27% admitted. Um, and these are numbers to watch because uh, OSU doubled the capacity of its ER in early mm. 2015. A couple of questions. Why is Daimler involved in this, or how is Daimler involved in this? Um, Ohio Health and Daimler are quite often partners in development projects, and uh, Daimler... Uh, it's the same team of Daimler and Trinity Health Group architects who did the, uh, the surgery addition. Daimler in 2005 bought this medical office building across Town Street, and they've been waiting to work with Ohio Health to do something. They, they did the bone and joint center, um, and that building's been vacant ever since, and so they've been waiting to find the right uh, project to put there. 
uh, it's going to greatly increase the density and use of that site um, four times the size of the building they'll be turning tearing down to uh, to build this addition and so so part of the 33 and a half million goes toward the um, toward the orthopedics operation that and, and that's understandable over at, at grant but is it any coincidence that they're putting money into some of the other operations such as cardiology um, and and the helipads and improving its 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 trauma care operations is it coincidence or is it a reaction to a hospital moving not that far away and that would be Mount Carmel West? Um, I would say more coincidence in the organic growth they're experiencing. They said their trauma center has been getting double-digit growth and uh, Mount Carmel West when it that'll be in 2018 will tear down the inpatient towers, but it leaves behind the emergency department, which is a level two, and it's you know it's it's serving a different audience, uh, a different resident, you know, a, a different residential pocket. Uh, so, um, you know, reason to expand the helipad is one, their old one couldn't accommodate the size of helicopters today; they're just bigger. Um, and they also are getting so busy that sometimes they have one waiting to land while one's sitting there. So this new helipad will allow moving one to the side while it's waiting for a patient to load, unload, and another one can be taking off and landing. And then they'll keep the old helipad. So you could have, you know, Dave Blom can see like an aircraft Grant's carrier. roof yeah. from, from, <laughs> a, from his tower in the Continental Building. So he'll be watching three helicopters at once, which wow. is kind of fun for him. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if they have a helipad. Well, still, I just think you can't overestimate the impact of Grant putting this money downtown because, I, I mean, I can see putting money into the trauma center, but moving orthopedics and cardiology, I mean, those could very easily have been put, if you were going to consolidate and uh, pour a lot of money into something like that, into, um, you know, quite frankly, high margin, um, uh, especially at least with orthopedics, you could put it anywhere in the suburbs, couldn't you? Um. They could, uh, but they chose, when they built the original Bone and Joint Center in 2009, they chose Grant. Um, I'd have to research the reasoning behind that. Mm. Um, I would suspect it had something to do with the trauma center. It might just, it could be that the um, those surgeons were already, their practices were concentrated downtown. Mm -hmm. You know, Grant might have... Uh, if you want me to go look that up, I could read No, I mean, but, you know, but, but they could move their practice. I mean, Mount Carmel puts the, you know, the, you know, the New Albany, or, uh, what's, what's that um, called, the New Albany, New Albany Surgical Center. I mean, plenty of practices moved out there uh, from wherever they were, and, uh, you know, that's doing very well. I just, well, Ohio Health has Dublin. Um, that was that opened as a 90 bed hospital i don't think they see that as what in their lingo is a tertiary care center which is mm. something that is a major you know grant is a much bigger multi specialty it's a referral hospital it's where people come from other counties mm. to get their care um and so you don't there's a big difference between that and a suburban hospital that's there to be convenient to nearby residents. Oh, okay, I got you. And, sure. You know, Dublin is a different model of being in there. The most profitable inpatient uh, operation they have, but so that's built on a customer service model of that's 
you know, you're going to have your baby or whatever. It's the nicest place to go if you live in Dublin. Yeah. It's their aim. That one started with all private rooms and, uh, mm-hmm. whereas all the other hospitals are now converting. Noise baffling and the ceilings and all these things. Yeah. The waterfall and, uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. And is there, is there any advantage to having, uh, an orthopedics, um, operation close to a level one trauma center? And, I, and again, I'm guessing on that, yeah. but just people come in with a car crash, their spines and legs are messed up, so you can re- smoothly refer them over. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's edition of The Kicker. I hope you are subscribing. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. Uh, All of the stories we discussed today, there are lots more uh, information in-depth reporting on that at ColumbusBusinessFirst.com, so I hope you'll check that out as well. And we will see you next week.